Welcome to Working Towards Our Purpose, a podcast that offers a different perspective on what a job can be. For everyone out there that's heard that voice in the back of their head asking for something more, it's time to listen to it. I'm your host, Gino, and join me as I interview people who have decided to work in their own purpose. Together, we will learn, become inspired, and hopefully find our own path towards working in our purpose. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Working Towards Our Purpose once again. Thank you for everybody that's listened so far. I appreciate all the support. And today we have a special episode, and I got to interview my brother, my twin brother, for those of you that don't know. He also went to engineering school with me, and we went together. We both graduated with our mechanical engineering degree, and he now lives in New York City, and he just recently quit his corporate job. So we sat down and had a conversation about a lot of different things, about his motivations to quit, um, what he's doing now, and what he wants to be doing in the future. So really excited about this interview, and I hope you all enjoy. My name is Mike Cordon. I used to be a mechanical engineer. I did uh, HVAC design, which is like heating, cooling systems for buildings, uh, plumbing, electrical, that kind of thing. And I did it for high-end residential. It gave me a really different perspective, I would say, from the disparity of people who have a lot of money and people who don't. And I think at the beginning, when you start a job, you kind of just try and do a good job and learn the job and do all that. And then eventually you kind of start to think like, why am I doing this? And then my answer was just for a paycheck. And then I kind of said, all right, well, what do I want to do? And I've always been interested in photography and that's kind of always been in the background. And I think simultaneously with my thoughts of my corporate job, I got way more into photography because of COVID. I had more time. I was watching a lot of YouTube, learning the actual basics of, of photography. I, w- I always took pictures, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I would keep it in auto and just like take cool pictures and be like, oh, these are awesome. And then once you learn the basics, you can kind of like connect the dots together and then it makes a lot more sense. And that's kind of what I was doing simultaneously is getting frustrated with my job. So, you know, obviously the idea came that maybe I can make some money out of this. So I started doing it on the side and basically got to a point where I was so frustrated because I would spend so much time at the office and then so much time when I got home that I was completely burnt out. And I I got to a point where I was like, I can't do both of these at the same time. And which one do I want to do? And obviously the answer was photography, but I wasn't making that much money at it. So that was a long drawn out decision. But eventually I made the decision that I have to start somewhere and I have to give it time. And if I don't, it's never going to turn into anything. So, so that's why I chose to left my job. So can you tell us a little bit more about like what it is that you do now, what your business is and like what types of things you do and like where you want it to go and there's some kind of ideas about that to give people an idea of like what it is that you do. So just for context, it's only been about, uh, I left in the second week of January. We're beginning of March right now. So it's only been about a month or so. I've done a lot of learning. I've been going to conferences, trying to network, trying to meet new people, trying to build a whole new you know network of people which is difficult and and time consuming really. So I've been trying to reach out to some previous clients as that I had in my mechanical engineering job, which are architects, designers, and, and seeing if I can utilize those existing networks to 
kind of bring in photography. So when an architect is done with a job, they will have it photographed and they will need that for their portfolio, for their website, you know, and that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to get into that world of interior photography, which is a difficult world to get into. That's one avenue. I've kind of been trying to just kind of put my energy in every every little path that I can think of at this point. I mean, I haven't really decided on a certain path yet. And not that I necessarily need to or will, but I'm just trying different things and seeing what works and what doesn't work at this point. I've got some existing clients that I was working with previously that I want to continue to work with. And I've done some family shoots for holiday cards and, and that stuff. And I, and I really enjoy doing that. And I think that that's definitely something I want to push and keep doing. My previous work mostly consisted of landscapes and street photography, which I'm still doing and I'm still interested in. And it's kind of a more difficult area to make money in. I mean, unless you're teaching people or you're selling prints, there's not a whole lot you can do with it. People don't like commission you to go take pictures of waterfalls or (laughs) it's not normally something you get paid for. So I think with photography is, is you don't necessarily have to do one thing. You can have multiple streams of income. You can make a little bit of money selling prints online. You know, you can do some family shoots around the holidays, but there's not going to be like something you're going to constantly be doing every day. I I don't see that being like the answer or the way to to do it. It's going to be more doing certain things, you know, and again, like burnout is something that's important and that's not something that you want to do anywhere, whether you're working for somebody, you're working for yourself. So I don't want to just push interior photography and only do that because I feel like I would get burned out with that. I want to keep doing different things. I want to keep doing street photography, keep doing landscape photography, because those things keep me interested in photography and passionate about photography. So you got to, you know, you got to do your passion projects as well as try and make money at it, or you're not going to really succeed, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I talked to somebody recently who's an artist and she makes the majority of her income from doing like business painting windows. We had a conversation, I think it was episode three, where we talked about like, what do you do as far as like the money coming in and the income and then how much time do you set aside to like be an artist and to create? And the balance between that is definitely something that I think people always have to, I don't know, be conscious of. So you, like you said, you don't burn yourself out and you don't just do it. Because I mean, I mean, I've certainly done that in the past as far as just like doing something. Oh, this is making money. I'm going to just keep doing this and keep doing this. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh, why I don't like doing this anymore. Why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah. So I think to have a balance of like the things that also keep you excited is good too. And to one thing that she also said too was that she creates every day regardless of like what mood she's in. So she goes and paints every day or does something that's creative every day to kind of keep that creative juices flowing. But yeah, so also I kind of want to back up a little bit and get back into like how you got into engineering to begin with because I know my story of how I got into engineering and I could if I reflect and look back, I could definitely see like, oh, that was a red flag there. Oh, that, <laughs> you know, that kind of meant that I didn't want to do that. Or so I kind of am curious to see what it is from your perspective and how you got into engineering and like even back as far as graduating high school and picking a major and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think back then I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. I was in high school. They're like, oh, you have to go to college. You're never going to do anything with your life. I'm like, okay, well, what do I go to college for? You know, you have this meeting with your guidance counselor and they're like, well, uh, Michael, let me look at your grades here. You're pretty good in math and science. So why don't you be an engineer? And I was like, all right, like what's an engineer? And like, well, it's really hard, you know? And, and honestly, I honestly think that was what got me into it, but he told me it was difficult and he told me it was hard to do. So I want to be like, 
I can do that. Right. You know Intelligence what I mean? complex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be like, well, I'm smart. I can do that, you know? And, and, and really, I don't even think it's a, it's a matter of being hard. It's just a matter of having an enormous amount of work and being able to do it, you know, and not get frustrated with having to do so much classwork and like, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Cause I think for me, a big part of it too, was I remember Grizz, our shop teacher who I like respected as a person because he treated us like people. And I remember him asking me and a couple of our friends, like, hey, what are you guys doing after this? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't really want to go to college. And, I, and he's like, well, I know you guys like doing this stuff and working with your hands. But he said, if you pick a trade like this, you're going to have to do that trade for the rest of your life. You're going to have to work on your hands for the rest of your life. You have one thing. Whereas if you go to college, you open up your opportunities to doing multiple different things. And that kind of changed my opinion, I think, a little bit as far as like wanting to go into engineering. But yeah, I, I don't, for, I, I mean, all of high school, I said I wasn't going to go to college because I didn't like school and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> then I ended up there. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I didn't want to go to college. I definitely did. But I think I got kind of pushed into a field and then I didn't really, you know, I think the older I get, at least, the more I start to think about things and like be more intentional about everything. And when I was a kid, I was just wanted to kind of take the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And someone told me what to do. And I said, okay, that sounds reasonable. I don't need to think about what I really want to do. I think that makes sense. Right. And that's what I did. And then you spend four years not thinking about it because you're just trying to get your degree. And, and that's fine. But, you know, I think you need to kind of think about what you really want to do. You know, you, getting out of high school, you can literally do whatever you want. You can, you know, people are going to tell you, go to college, do this and that, whatever. But you're really starting from zero and you can do anything. But you don't really feel that way because you feel like you have to do a certain thing for your parents or for whoever, you know, your teachers who tell you you're smart and you need to do this and go to school for this and that, you know, so that you'll get a good job. But is the goal to get a good job or is the goal to like do something you want to do? You know, it's like people don't really talk about that. They just talk about getting a good paying job so you don't have to worry about paying the bills. And sure, that's important, but it's not everything. Right. And it definitely depends on like your background and like where you grew up and that sort of thing. But certainly the you know, middle-class environment that we grew up in, it was like, oh, this is the next step. And like you alluded to too, it's, it's almost easier just to do what is expected of you than to make up your mind on something. Because yeah. making up your mind on something, especially something that goes against the grain, takes like, you know, you have to be sure of yourself that you want to do that. And at that time, yeah, I was the same way. I wasn't really like sure of anything. I was like, well, I guess I could do whatever I want. I don't, I don't really have any opinions this way or that way. <laughs> yeah, I remember specifically in like middle school, we had an art class and our teacher was really cool. And she wanted me to go to this summer program because she thought I, I had some talent and she wanted me to expand upon that and learn more outside of the class. And at first I was like, that's dumb. I don't want to do that, you know, because art's not cool when you're a seventh grade boy, you know? <laughs> and I actually remember my dad like telling me, you should do this. You should see what it's about. If you don't like it, that's fine, but just do it. And I was like, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. And I didn't want to do it because I was scared of doing it. And I didn't want to like, you know, make a decision on my life. I just want to be like, oh, well, I'll just go to school like everyone else and like not stir the waters or, you know, make this, this decision basically is what it was. And so I didn't, I, I put that on pause and I did have a passion in art and I always was interested in it and I had some sort of talent in it and I never really went back to that you know, because I've always been into photography, you know, at the time, I think 
she really liked my paintings or whatever. And I never expanded upon that until years and years later. Cause you know, you get out of college, you start your job, you're focused on trying to do a good job at your job. You're learning, you're, you know, meeting people, you're trying to like start that whole life. And you can't really like look back on it until you get to a point where like you're on autopilot at your job and you're just like, you know, coming in, getting bored with doing what you're normally doing every day. And then at that point, you start to think about those other things because you have time. And, you know, especially COVID, I think really got everybody to think about their lives and what they were doing and what was important with their lives. And I remember like being, you know, the first couple of weeks in COVID or a month or two, you know, I'd, I'd be at home the whole time or I'd be like walking around, like going for walks in the middle of the day. I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like, I really like, you know, having this freedom, you know, and not having to be stuck in an office all day long, you know, waking up, going to the office, coming home, like it's already like seven o'clock dinner time, you know, and I have very little time to myself, you know, a couple of hours after dinner before I go to bed, that's it. I'm like, do I really want to live my life like that? Like, that's kind of crazy. Like, I don't like this, you know? And I think I never really looked at it that way before, you know, not, not, not to say there's like no positive about going to an office and being around other people, but like, was that what I wanted to be doing? And the answer was no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I think that whatever that like bug is first got me when we backpacked Europe after college. Cause I remember First thinking like, oh, we can't do this. You, you got to get a job after college, you know, you gotta, but somehow because, you know, we had a connection to a friend in Denmark and it, it was able to happen luckily. Um, but I think once we were on that trip, I remember like just walking around in random cities, like it was a beautiful day out. You're looking at amazing architecture and thinking like, wow, this is really cool. Like, why can't I do this more often? Why do I have to now put my life on pause for 40 years and work <laughs> at a job? So I had that like kind of roll around the back of my head. And then, you know, as frustrations occurred in corporate, I think I was always kind of thinking like, I need to not do this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I guess, you know, obviously I'm fortunate enough to have those opportunities to spark that idea to continue to want something further. But yeah, I think not taking advantage of it is maybe... You know, a mistake. So also I wanted to ask about like, what was your experience when you first got into corporate? Because I remember when I first started my job, I was like just confused. Like I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't, it seemed like people were like doing and saying different things and like none, just none of it made sense to me. Like you go through engineering school and I enjoyed engineering school because it was fun and you had, you were challenged, but then you got into corporate or at least my experience like getting into corporate, they give you like this little tiny task that like a high schooler could figure out. And then you spend <laughs> three weeks writing a report. And I'm just like, what is like, what are, we, what are we doing? Like, we're just felt like we were pretending to work and pretending to be busy all the time. And that it just never made any sense to me. And that was my first impression of like corporate. Obviously, I can't, I went into a big corporation. So that's probably different than other people's experience. But that was kind of how I felt. So I was curious to see like, how did you feel going in? Cause you worked for a, a bit of a smaller company. Yeah. So I, for the job that I, I was at for eight years before I just recently left them before that, I actually did have another job for about six months, which was the complete opposite. It was, it was literally one guy kind of working for himself and I was helping him out. And I remember being in that job and being extremely bored. Kind of like you said, he would give me a task, give me an enormous amount of time to do it. And 
I just feel like I wasn't learning anything. And I, I really wanted to be in an office. I wanted to have like people who were my age that I can like hang out with and talk to and learn from. And, you know, so that didn't last very long. I got this, this other job at a company and there was probably about 60 or 70 people in the company when I started. And at first there, there was a lot of people around my age. And I remember like wanting to be friends with them and hang out with them, but then like also thinking that it was really clicky and like, like high school-y and like, I was like, this is kind of weird. Like, I thought we were adults here. Like, why are we like, you know, acting like children almost? Uh, and that was kind of weird. But as far as the job, I would say, I almost had an opposite experience where like, they would just give us so much work to do. And like, I was always working overtime and not getting paid for it because I was salary, you know? And I remember like, specifically one of my coworkers on my team, she was like, well, you know, like in, in college, we would always have to do an enormous amount of work and like stay up late. So I just figured that the work environment would be the same. So it's okay. Like that we have to work late. I remember thinking like, what? Like, I don't want to work late. I'm not getting paid for this. Like, why do I have to do this? It's ridiculous. But in a way you have to do it or you're not going to, you know, look like you're a good employee if you don't do what they want you to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. It's, Definitely interesting because like my perspective of corporate, like you didn't have to do work to be a good employee. You just had to get along with people and make it seem like you're busy. <laughs> and yeah. that to me was like the most confusing part because it was like people always pretending like they're doing something and then you ask them a question or something and like they can't help you or like there was very, very few people that I found were helpful and like wanted to do a good job. And those people were very few and far between and they always left. Like anytime I found somebody that I liked, I liked and they were helped me out, honestly, they would always leave and they'd go to a different company. <laughs> so that was kind of like my thing of like, oh, well, all these people that I like are leaving. Why am I still here? <laughs> um, yeah. And then I think another funny part of it too was when I switched jobs to work for the second big military defense contractor, um, I remember in college, some guy from that same company like came and talked to us. And my impression was, wow, this guy seems really boring and he <laughs> seems like his job sucks and he seems like he's not happy with his life at all. I never want to work for that company. <laughs> and then like, you know, eight years later, I find myself there. So I think going into that company, I kind of had already made my mind up that I wanted to leave and it was kind of just a stepping stone. But so when was it that you decided to like leave or, or like, what was the the trigger to make your mind. I mean, you touched on a little bit with the COVID, but I imagine that you had thoughts about that before that. Um, I think I always, I don't know, the company I worked for was kind of weird to the fact where, you know, they would kind of treat us poorly in, in the sense of like, you know, not paying us as much as they probably should have been or overloading us with work. Um, but at the same time, they would, they would pretend like it was a family, you know? So it was like, everyone was super close. We'd hang out after work. We'd go to happy hours all the time. So there was kind of this like juxtaposition of like, they really care about you and it's like a fun place to be, but it's miserable doing the work, you know? So I was always kind of like on the knife's edge of, all right, it's not so bad. Like at least like the people are cool at work and I like them, you know, even though I have to spend a bunch of time here. And then I would like be like, oh, this, I hate this job. Like I need to leave, you know? And in the beginning, it was like, I just want to go somewhere else. You know, I want to find another job where I don't have to put as much time in because I, I don't value that anymore. Like I don't value climbing up the corporate ladder. Like I thought that I did originally, you know, and I was okay with maybe just getting a job where I would have you nine to five and you would be done and you can have a life outside of work. And then the more I thought about it, I guess the less interested I was becoming in engineering. 
and the more I was interested in photography and the more I knew I could, if I wanted to try and make a career out of photography. I would say for the last whole year, like all of 2021, I was kind of on the fence of what I wanted to do. I, I think the point really was like in, you know, towards the end of last year, our, our aunt passed away. And I think that was, that was my decision right there was, was that you, because of your job was able to spend a lot of time with her in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And I was stuck at work and yeah, I, I was stuck at work and I couldn't spend that time with her. And then she passed away and, and that hit me. Like, this is something that you can't have being at a corporate job because they don't really care. They'll give you a day or two days of bereavement, but they're not going to allow you to spend that time with them. Mm -hmm. And that was like, okay, well then this isn't going to work. You know, I, I value that way more than I value my job. And I want to, you know, be able to do that. And, and another part of it was just like, you know, life's short. Like you don't know when you're going to go. So why am I trying to prolong this? Cause I think initially what I thought was like, I'll get a job where I'll have a set amount of hours and I'll have more time to focus on photography so that I can build it up more and build it up more so that I'm making a steady income with it so that the transition will be smooth. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, well, why am I doing that? Like, I'm just prolonging what I want to do anyways. So I might as well do it now and force myself to learn faster because, you know, I can do that now. I've got this opportunity where, you know, I don't have kids right now. I don't have like any other responsibilities. Like I, I have this opportunity to do this. And even if I fail, I can go back to doing engineering if I wanted to. I can go to do something else. That's fine. But I need to do it now. Like, why keep waiting? Yeah. And I definitely, I hear that a lot from people and and not that it's right or wrong or, you know, everybody's got a different path and that sort of thing. But I do hear people say like, oh, well, it's just my job. You know, I'm just, I just work there for money and this and that. But to hit on the point that you talked about is like, well, we're only here for a certain amount of time. Like, if you're forced to be somewhere for 40 hours, like that's a huge chunk of your life. I mean, if you consider that plus the amount of time you're sleeping, I mean, that's like two thirds of your life. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get that. Like maybe you don't care about your job and that's fine, whatever. But for me personally, it's like, well, I want to take advantage of the time that I'm here. And, I, and one thing that I always used to do when I was like trying to quit too, because I mean, it was hard to put, I mean, it was a whole lifestyle, right? Like it's, it's, it's a whole lifestyle to like, you know, go to college, get the degree, get your job. And like, you're, you're in this system, you're on this like one track path. And it's kind of hard to get out of that track because there's so many different things going against you, including the people you work for, like the, your family, friends, like all that stuff. But one thing I always used to do was I remember when I was at my last job before I quit, I would always like, because whenever I'd go to the bathroom, I'd have to like walk downstairs and give me a couple minutes to think. And I'd be like, man, this really sucks. What am I doing <laughs> with my life? Then I would think about it and be like, what if I had cancer tomorrow? Like I'd be so mad that if I had like six months to live or something, I'd be so pissed at myself because I'm wasting my everything at this job that I don't care about at all. <laughs> and like thinking of it in a morbid way kind of like fired me up to be able to be like, no, you know what? I'm done with this. Like I'm leaving. <laughs> So that was kind of something that I used to do to like kind of trick myself to, to actually go through with it. Yeah, but I mean, I think it goes back towards kind of what we were saying earlier of, of having to make a decision and having to be more intentional yeah. about your life. It's like, not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody wants to have to make a big decision and that's fine. And, and then maybe having a job suits you because you can just show up, get paid and, and that's fine. Or, or maybe you're really passionate about your job 
And you, you want to climb up the corporate ladder and that's what you care. I mean, I remember I used to work with some people who I remember thinking like, this job is for you. Like you were really good at this job. You love spending all your time here. Like you're really passionate about it. And that's great. You know, like that suits you, but that didn't suit me. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to spend all my time at the office. I wanted to spend time with people that I love and my friends and family. Like that was more valuable to me than my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of times too, because myself included, when I was in that job, I always thought like, oh, well, I can't do this. Because as you were saying about like the part-time thing, I did do my job part-time for a long time. And I was trying to get it to a point where it made enough money to then I could just switch over. But I mean, if you think about that, you're you're working two full-time jobs to make two full-time incomes at the same time. Like I got to the point where during COVID, I was completely burnt myself out. And then I came to the decision of, well, you have to pick one because you're going to put your energy into one and it's going to work, but you can't keep splitting your time and doing it to two. And I think that there's also something to be said about just like the self-belief part of it, because a lot of people will automatically just write themselves off and be like, oh, I can't, I can't do photography and make money. That's not going to work. But if you try, you'll figure it out. Like you could do anything you want. And yeah, maybe you got to make some sacrifices here and there. You got to do some things that maybe you weren't used to doing before maybe works with part-time jobs, but like it's possible to do anything. And if you actually believe that, it will work out. And there's really not a failure part of it. The the only time you fail is when you give up. So you're gonna fail. And I think that's something that corporate also isn't very, you don't really learn when you're in corporate is that failing is like good. Like if you fail, okay, good. Now I learned how to not do that. And now I learned a better way of doing it or, you know, it brought me to a path I didn't even think about. And I think that that is like a good thing that I've learned ever since I've quit. It's like, well, it's fine to fail. Like it's a good thing to fail (laughs) because now I know how to do this and I know not how to do this where in corporate, it was never like that. It's always just like, you know, one track thinking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, And definitely, you know, the culture of the office too, of like, you know, maybe you have a better way of doing things, but your boss has an ego and he doesn't want you to outdo him. So instead of doing it a better way, you have to be stuck with doing it the old way and like kind of being forced to do things that don't make sense, but that's the way they do it, you know? And like, and that's okay for some people. Some people like to follow directions, you know? Some people are really good at following directions and they execute well. They don't need a lot of handholding. They can figure it out and do it on their own and that's fine. But I think personally, I like to question things and when things don't make sense, I'm a, I'm a very like, you know, pragmatic person where like, if you're doing something and it doesn't make sense to me, you have to explain it to me. And if it still doesn't make sense to me, I'm not doing it that way, you know? And that doesn't really fit well in a corporate office. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I guess uh, to, to move on and talk a little bit more about your experience post quitting, what was that experience like? And I mean, it's definitely a huge shift from having to go to the office every single day and, you know, pretend like you care. And then now you have the entire day free and and especially talk about like options and making decisions to do some specific something like what was that transition like for you yeah i mean i'm still in it so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think honestly it's been a lot more difficult than i thought when i was doing my photography while i was working my corporate job it was easy because i was at work i was thinking about what i want to do when i get home you know i'm riding the subway home and i'm like all right when i get home i'm going to do this and this i'm going to finish this tonight and i'll move on And I got home and I was focused and I would sit down and I would do it. Now, I don't have all this excess time to be thinking and planning about what I want to do because it's all my time now. So I've been struggling with 
focusing what to work on and getting things done in a productive manner, even though I thought I was someone who was very good at that, I realized that maybe I'm not so good at that. And part of it maybe was like, you know, at work, obviously, like if you're goofing off or like, you you know, you can't focus on something, you'll take your phone out, you'll look at your phone, you'll go talk to a friend or whatever, you'll go for a walk. And you can do that because you're still working, right? But now it's all your time. So you have to, you know, people joke all the time, like, oh, like you don't just constantly scroll through Instagram while you're working, you know, and you can't do that anymore. You can, but you're not going to be getting anything done. You know, it's your time now. So having to manage that and deal with that. And, and, and another thing about, you know, scrolling through Instagram all day at work is it trains your brain to be not focused. And I thought that I wasn't that bad. I thought that I was like pretty good with not using my phone about being focused and being able to get what I want to get done. But I realized that I'm not as good as I thought I was. Like I'm actually pretty distracted during the day. And not just having those couple of hours at the end of the day to do what I wanted to do, having the whole day to do what I want to do is kind of changed it, you know? So it's, it's been a struggle. It's been, it's been tough to kind of focus on things. And, and the other part of it is too, is like, I'm working on things that are not necessarily making me money that are just things that I need to do or things that I need to learn. And when you're learning, it can kind of feel like, you know, you're running in beach sand, if you will, like, you know, you have to do it and you know, you're learning from it, but it's frustrating because you want to just know how to do it, you know? So that doesn't really help you as far as like mindset of feeling good, right? It's like, I know I need to learn how to do this, but it's difficult to learn. And I know I just have to go through it and then I'll be better, but it doesn't make you feel good in the time, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think part of that too is, is unlearning a lot of things you learned in corporate because in corporate, when you wanted to take, I mean, I remember the mandatory trainings we had to do, it was frowned upon if you just did them and you weren't like just had them on in the background and like pretended to do work. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so valuing education and self-growth was never a thing in corporate. And I think that just kind of like switching your mindset into being like, well, no, I'm going to do this because it's going to make me better at something or I'll learn how to do something better. Like valuing self-growth is... I've found the most important thing because you could sit and do a task all day long that, you know, is mundane and maybe it's making you some money, but like, you're going to get, you're going to do that for five years. Then you're like, well, now I just made myself another job. Like this sucks. (laughs) So, uh, which I've kind of gotten to the point of myself, but like, if you think about, if you're always thinking about things in the future and you can kind of, I don't know, always want something more or something bigger or you know, think about how to do something in a better way. Like that is what makes you excited about it because you're constantly learning and growing. And I think when you stop learning and growing, that's when your mind kind of just goes on autopilot. And that's my experience in corporate America. So exactly. If you set time aside specifically to do that. So like every, you know, just for example, every Monday is I'm learning like, and every Monday I just learn all day long and I take that as a productive day. That like mindset shift is going to help you to not like feel guilty about it because at first I felt guilty about doing stuff like that too like well I'm learning how to do this thing but I didn't make any money with it so uh, maybe I should not do this you know what I mean but you I think you have to value that stuff and like self-growth I think is the most important thing you can do for your business yeah I mean I I think that like what you said with being on autopilot at work I I recognize that and I was like this is dangerous because I don't I don't like this you know because I love to learn and I want to learn all the time 
And I got to a point where like I had been doing it for eight years and I was kind of on autopilot. You know, I would show up to work, I would do the same thing and that was it. And I wasn't really growing as much. And I was like, this is, this is toxic. You know, I don't, I don't want to be in this situation anymore. To go off of, of kind of being distracted at work, how we were talking about previously. Another thing about a desk job is like, you can show up in a bad mood. You can show up like not feeling it, just sit there, get through your day, get paid, right? When you're self-employed, you can, you can't do that, right? Like if you're in a bad space or you're not feeling great, you're not going to get your work done, right? Just like you would in corporate, but you have to get your work done or you don't get paid, right? So you have to, yeah, I, I was at a uh, photography conference back in January and I was at this speech and he was, this guy, the presenter was talking about, he says like, you know, a lot of people say, try and keep your work and your business separate. And he said, well, that's bullshit. He's like, if you're self-employed, it's your whole life. Like you can't keep them separate. You know, like your business is your life. So if you're not feeling right or you're not, something's wrong with you, you know, you need to fix that first. Stop the business, fix yourself and then get back to the business. Because he said every single time this guy had been working for himself for 40 years. And he said, every time there was something wrong, going wrong in my business, I realized it was because there was something wrong with me and I need to fix myself first. And then I can get back to my business. Because it's one thing, you know, you, it's not your job you show up to, you know, it's your life. Yeah. And that, I mean, even just, I've had experiences of that too. And that's been a challenge to allow yourself to just give yourself space, right? Like you wake up, you're in a down mood or whatever. And you're like, oh, well, I got to do this thing anyway. So then you force yourself to do it, you sit at your computer and then half the day goes by and it's like, well, I didn't accomplish anything. And then eventually I'll be like, oh, let me just not do anything for the rest of the day. I won't do anything for the rest of the day. I'll go to bed early and then I'll wake up refreshed and it'll be like, oh, now I'm ready to work. And now I did that thing in an hour that I tried to do all day yesterday. And then reflecting on that, it's like, well, maybe if I just stopped when I recognized I wasn't in a, the right headspace for it, I would have recovered sooner, right? Like, <laughs> Well, it's like you said, like going back to what you said earlier about, you know, changing the habits that you've learned in corporate. It's like, you've. I think the most important thing is recognizing that you're in that bad headspace and you're not going to get something done. You know, like for me, it's like, I would start to get anxious about like, I need to make money. I need to do something to make money. What I'm doing right now is not that. And I would just kind of get in this like repetitious cycle of bad thoughts. And instead of trying to force myself to do the work, I need to do something else to break that, you know, go outside, go for a walk, like meditate for a little bit, do some yoga, like do something else. Right. Cause you can do that. Cause now you have the time to do that. You don't have to sit at your desk from nine to five. Cause doesn't matter, <laughs> you know? So if I'm being unfocused and I'm distracted, you know, maybe I'll go for a run. Maybe I'll go volunteer and get my head out of my business for a little bit so that I can clear my head and come back to it, right? Like it's important to like learn those skills and, and like learn how to do that and how to, how to recognize where you're at and how to fix that. Like it's something completely new that you have to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I've, I've definitely... Definitely found that. And that's always a working process too. You know, it's, you're never going to be, you know, done doing that. I think that's always going to be an evolution and a practice of, of being able to do that. You're not going to be perfect every time, but like if you can start to recognize and then self-correct, I think that's, it's better than, than the previous, just taking out your phone, scrolling on Instagram for three hours and then being like, oh, exactly. what am I doing? <laughs> that's the thing is there's no easy solution to that. You can't just turn your phone on and drown it all out. You can, but that's not going to help you. You know, that's, that's what I mean by like, it's not separate anymore. Like you can't just show up and sit at a chair and make money. You know, you can't, it, it's completely different now. Like you have to, 
you have to keep pushing and, and, and force yourself to not just zone out. You know what I mean? You can't just sit on autopilot and then zone out. Like you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, especially Instagram too, I think is a, it has other negative effects other than just being distracted too, because then, you know, it's the perfect image of everybody's life. You're scrolling through it. You see all your friends and like, then your head goes in a million different directions. Oh, they have a, they have a job and they're on vacation because they got two weeks paid vacation. <laughs> For me personally, that's why I deleted my personal Instagram because it wasn't helpful at all. And I also put timers on my phone for all social media apps to where I can't access them until like noon, I think, every day because mornings are usually where I'm most productive. So then I'm not like it makes it that much more difficult. Like I could get around it, sure, but it makes it that much more difficult to like click on it and look at it. So I've trained myself to not reach for Instagram whenever I'm uncomfortable or bored or like want to distract myself. So things like that, I think could be helpful too. All right. So yeah, just a couple more questions before we wrap up here. And one of them is what excites you today and what are, what are things that are, you're you know excited about and looking forward to? I'm just really looking forward to building relationships in two separate ways, right? So I guess going back to my corporate job, like obviously over eight years, I had built up relationships with contractors I worked with, with architects I worked with, with coworkers that I've worked with. And that was great. You know, it was nice to have like kind of a network of people, but at the same time, it's like you would go to a happy hour and you'd be talking about air conditioning systems and it'd be like, can we talk about something else? Like, I don't really care about this, you know? So now being able, like I've gone to a few conferences, I've met with a few photographers to go on like photo walks and that kind of thing recently. And it's just been like very, very positive and very just amazing to be around people who kind of have the same passions as you. And I, I didn't have that in the corporate job because I wasn't passionate about engineering or heating a building or cooling it. Like that didn't get me going, you know, like I, I could manage it, but it wasn't something that excited me. So being around people that are passionate about it and like being able to talk to them, you just get so much energy from them. It's like really exciting. You walk away and you're like, oh, that was awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. And so talking about building relationships in two separate ways, that's building it with with photographers. And then also on the other side, the client side of being able to you know, I'm excited about being able to help somebody appreciate photography. And I think I've realized how important photography really is. It's like, especially in this day and age where people realize, like, I can take a picture on my phone and it comes out pretty good, you know, especially with like portrait mode and HDR edits on their own, they start to look pretty good and you don't have any skill at taking a picture, right? So everyone thinks they're a photographer, but that's not what photography is about. Like photography is much more than that. It's, it's about, you know, you have so much power as a photographer, you know, you're capturing a moment that's never going to happen again, you know, and you can tell somebody's story through emotion and and the way that you take the photo. And you can't do that with a phone. You can't do that if you don't know anything about composition, if you don't know anything about people, if you don't have a relationship with somebody, like there's so much that goes into it. And it's such a valuable thing. Like think back a hundred years, 50 years ago, when people had kids, most of them never took pictures of them as kids. They never had a picture of their kid if they grew up in the 30s, the 40s, 50s. And then eventually middle class started being able to, you know, have access to a camera themselves or, or be able to go to a photographer and have pictures taken. And those pictures will hang on somebody's wall for 30 years, 40 years. And that's something that people cherish and that people really, really care about. And that's super important to them. So diluting that with your cell phone and thinking like, oh, I'm just going to take pictures of my kids or I'm just going to you know, take pictures of friends or family. It's not the same. And being able to show people that and get them excited about that and 
convey the value to them of what this really is. I think that's very exciting for me. I'm really excited to show that to people. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I think what happens when you just take a million pictures on your phone, because you never do anything with them either, right? You don't print them out and hang them on your wall. You don't, most cases, I'm generalizing, but like most cases you don't do that. And they just become this void of pictures that you never look at. So like, yeah, I think that's an important thing to hit on in regards to photography is like, well, we're actually going to care about this one and we're going to put some energy and effort into it. So then you can actually be proud of it and appreciate it and like look at it and cherish it for years to come. I think that's definitely a good part of the business. And even just like being able to hit on that emotionally and figuring out like how to do that. Because I think you're right. A lot of people don't notice the difference between that sort of thing, right? They don't, they don't think of it in that way. But after hearing that, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I have so many pictures of my phone that I don't do anything with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like an education thing where some people say like, why are you going to photography? Like AI is going to be taking photos on its own now pretty soon. And, you know, that seems like a, a, a dying field to want to get into, you know, cameras themselves already have AI built in with autofocus and all these other sorts of things that they're implementing, you know, Photoshop, you can replace the sky with one click of a button, you know? So what, what is the value? Well, the value is it's, it's art, right? It's, it's making something that's made by a human, you know, like, I don't think that's ever going to die. Right. It's the human connection piece of it. Yeah, exactly. So the responsibility of the photographer in 2023 is to, convey to people how important this is and how it can't be replaced because it's true. It can't, you can't have a camera take a great portrait of somebody, you know, a portrait that you look at and you, you connect with the person because that portrait is conveying who they are, you know, their personality. Uh, AI can't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even as a, like a culture or population, I think we are trending back in that direction. Cause I mean, you even see it with, I mean, records were like the first thing people appreciating records now. And then and bookstores, people appreciating going to a bookstore. Like for a long time, bookstores were dying and like they're, you know, nobody could care less about a bookstore. They go on Amazon and if they wanted to buy a book. I actually just read an article this morning that Barnes and Noble had their like first profitable quarter <laughs> like in a very long time. And they're up like 4% and they're opening new stores. And like, I think people, especially after COVID are craving just the human connection piece of it. And that's something that I've learned as being able to work on my own and like making relationships with people is like the human connection aspect of it is the most important thing. Because at the end of the day, people don't buy from like products anymore. They buy because of the story or because of the values or because of who you are as a person. That's really what they're buying into. Exactly. And to, to rope that back into photography, how many times have you had a picture taken by, you know, a school photographer, you're at your work and you're doing headshots today. The photographer doesn't really care about you. He's just taking your picture because he's getting paid to do it. You know, like no one likes that, you know, like that's anybody like there's no connection there. It's, it's like stale, you know, and you can tell, you can look at the picture and you say, oh, I don't like that picture of myself. And why didn't you like the picture? Because there was no connection there. You know, the first thing you have to do is build a connection between who you're taking a picture of before you even pick up the camera. You know, you have to figure out what that person's about, what makes them tick. And then you can take a picture of them. Like it's so much more than just clicking a button, you know, editing a photo and, and putting it up. It's, it's right. not what it's about. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. I think it describes well, like how that plays into photography. So yeah, last question here to kind of wrap up this interview. What's next for you and how can people support you or find you if, uh, you know, they want to learn more? So my business is MC3 Photography. I live in uh, New York City. Instagram is MC3 Photo. My website's MC3Photography.com. 
And yeah, so right now I'm kind of just kind of exploring all my avenues still and trying a little bit of everything before I really want to commit to a certain path or a certain lane and just seeing where, where it takes me. You know, I'm open to try anything at this point. You know, I'm, I'm kind of just learning is, is the big word that I'm, that I'm doing right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, I think that's a good attitude to take. It's just to be open to learning and being curious about things. I think that's the best thing you could do at, at this point. Yeah. So if you can uh, like my pictures on Instagram, that means a lot to me. So <laughs> please get those numbers up for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sitting down with me and having this conversation. And maybe we'll come back in a year or so and, and see where you're at. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Anytime. It's been fun. Thanks for tuning in and listening to Working Towards Our Purpose. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe for more episodes.